and welcome to the From the Rookery End podcast. My name is David Cameron Walker and Jason's looking at me and laughing because I'll admit to you now, this is the second time we've done this. We've just done 20 minutes of gold. We didn't press record. Uh, so I'm going to try and whip the guys back up into a frenzy again. I'm joined by From the Rookery End stalwarts, Mike. Hello, Mike. Hi, David. That pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? Watford didn't press record at uh, 12 o'clock either, I don't think. So, yeah. And of course, Jace. Hello, Jason. Hello there, I'm wishing I didn't press record on my uh, Virgin box before I left the house today because I'm not going to watch that back, that's for sure. Right, a very frustrating afternoon for many reasons at Vicarage Road, a Sunday lunchtime. We've just lost 1-0 to Stoke and after the, the first goal went in, the only goal went in, the chant from the crowd was 1-0 to the referee. Was that fair or was it an excuse, do you think, for a poor Watford performance? I'm absolutely not prepared to blame the referee for that. Um, I thought it was poor from Watford from, from minute one to minute 94. Um, and whilst I understand the uh, the crowd's ire being raised by um, what was, it seemed like there was a couple of um, dubious ones given in, in short succession leading up to the goal. And so I, I get it, you know, we're all supporters, but I think we'd be doing uh, ourselves a disservice if we didn't choose to to look closer to home for, for the reason behind that, that result. I don't think you can blame Bobby Madley for, for Watford losing, losing this afternoon. Watford needed to be better. It's a set piece that resulted in a goal. Deal with that, get on with the game. That goal doesn't go go in. Aurelio Gomez hasn't had a had a save to make, um, and and the game could be very very different. But yeah, I think to to blame the ref would be uh, would be incorrect. You get the feeling that even if that goal didn't go in, Stoke probably would have managed to get one. Whereas I don't get the same feeling with Watford today. They just didn't get into the game. No, I I had a feeling that that would have been one nil whenever the goal came because Stoke did a, a very good job on us today. They started off, they pressed us high up the pitch, won the, won the ball back as early as they possibly could. And they've got these players that are very technical, very skillful. They know how to keep the ball. They're very good at creating their own space. And, and yeah, the goal came, as you say, from a corner, very very Stoke-like of, of Stoke of old. But as soon as they did that, they then sort of dropped off a bit and they just soaked up whatever we had to throw at them, which wasn't much at all. Lots made of, of the of the new look Stoke, and they're certainly not the sort of lump merchants that, that, that they were under under Tony Pulis. They do play, you know, they're quite compact and they do move the ball around. But they were, you know, they were fine. But that was it. They shouldn't have been enough for for, for Watford to, to fail so abjectly like they did this afternoon. I know we only lost one nil, and I know, you know, we, we've been done though, really, haven't we? By an experienced group of players, they they were the better team. It, one nil you know, doesn't necessarily suggest a a dominant performance from Stoke but physically they won more 50-50s they, yeah. were, they, they looked like the experienced Premier League outfit and we didn't today better in every in every department quicker stronger um, more direct they they defended comfortably they, we didn't really give them anything anything to worry about in, in that department you know they managed the game well they dealt with the with the sort of supposed issues with the, with the officials much better they won free kicks they, but they didn't you know that's it all they did was stuff that any Premier League footballer should be able to do and as a combination any fo- any Premier League team should be able to do you know Arnautovic and uh, and Shik- Shik- every time I see Shakiri, I, I lose my breath the, the, the width of this guy his calves in particular are amazing just extraordinary I'd almost pay for a Stoke season ticket just so I get to see him on a, on a regular basis but you know they're not world beaters these guys they're great they're, they're skillful Arnautovic I quite like he's, he's, got, he's a bit of a character I think he's, he's quite good fun to watch but they're not the best players in the world they're not they really shouldn't have us quaking in our boots we should be able to deal with with a side like Stoke which is a great thing to be able to say that we're you know Watford uh, should be able to deal with uh, with an established team like Stoke which is what they are um, they've had a they lost last week against Bournemouth they've obviously Mark Hughes has been into them I reckon for and said right we need a we need a, uh, a response this week after what had been quite a good run for them 
but we should have enough about us to deal with deal with Stoke. They 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 I don't want to do them a disservice because they did they comfortably won the game today and they were they were better than us. But we should be able to be better than them. We only need to look back seven or eight days to that performance against Leicester. Similar one which we had to say is similar. You know they've got they've got they're fine. Um, but we showed what we could do last week. This week we chose not to, and I say chose not to because I think when the going got tough, we disappeared, we shrivelled, or we or we or we took it out on the ref. We were we were petulant and we were babyish in some. And I don't say that lightly. I think the end of the first half it was it was an absolute shambles from from Holobass in in particular. I said you know I jokingly tweeted at half time he needs to spend 15 minutes in the cryo chamber to cool down. But what a nonsense! Well, he's a professional footballer, sort of going in and throwing an absolute Benny. Uh, and not good enough and I think that, that that performance was you know that that sort of 20 minutes from, from him towards the end of the first half as well as Amrabat talking himself into a booking was just uh, indicative of a really sort of shambolic's too strong but a, a really weak and quite sort of um, lame performance from, from everyone concerned really Do you think Jace that perhaps we've the, the indiscipline that we've seen on the field today from some of those players from Amrabat from Holly Bass and there was a lot of Sniping at the referee, arms going up, getting in his face and stuff. Troy was having to calm down Holly Bass at half time from talking to the ref and everything. Do you, do you think the reaction from the crowd sort of made that even worse and compounded it and, and, and gave the players more of an excuse to feel hard done by, really? When you've when you got the crowd chanting 1 0 to the referee, the referees are insert expletive here or whatever. You think really that, that, that didn't help, I don't think, what was already a pretty bad situation for us? The players are professionals and they, they shouldn't be rising for anything the crowd does. It, they made a big thing of it over the summer. There, there was talk about how the referees were going to crack down on players running to the officials, shouting, arms flailing. It was up to the captain. The captain was a designated man to approach the referee. And it was clear that it was going to be a yellow card for anyone who sort of broke those rules. So regardless of what the fans are doing the players shouldn't be doing it. But you could almost say, let the fans do it. Let the fans try and get the ref off guard, try and try and put him off and try and make him feel that he's making the wrong decisions. Up to the fans to do that. The players should be professional and should not be getting involved. Yeah, absolutely. It's the supporter's job to, to rant and rave. That's what we come to football for. If you think that's not a free kick, then you bloody well stand up and you tell the referee. You can, we can do whatever we want within reason as supporters and we can make whatever noise we, we want. But the players cannot be taking their lead from from the crowd. That, that I mean, it's, it's an absolute nonsense. And, and to hear at the end of the game that, that Matsari hasn't shaken Mark Hughes' hand is hugely disappointing. And it's just that just... It just smacks of ill discipline and not being able to keep your keep a lid on things. And okay, he's obviously going to be cross with the performance. He's cross. We've lost at home on TV, but you shake the man, the opposition manager's hand. The world doesn't end because he hasn't done it. But it's just a little thing, a little another little flying an already flying infested ointment this afternoon um, that is really really disappointing. And I don't think there's ever any excuse for ill discipline. You can't change players' DNA. So people like Holobass is always going to be always going to be fiery and tempestuous. But sorry, mate, you have to work harder than that. And if things aren't going your way, channel it. Like Jay said, if the crowd are getting noisy, use it for good. You know, roll your sleeves up, stand shoulder to shoulder. Say, right, things aren't going our way. There's enough breaks in the game to to get yourselves together. Don't worry about having an isotonic drink. Work out how you're going to improve things. Work out how you're going to turn things around. Right, he's giving free kicks for this. Make sure you don't do that. Get in behind instead of trying to go in front. Whatever. You work out how you're going to be better than that. Don't throw a bloody tantrum. Last time I was with you, Mike, 
There was there was no tantrums after the six-one defeat uh, to Liverpool at Anfield, but you were a lot more angry after that match. I think we deserve better from from a match like this. I think Liverpool fine recapitulated, and there was disappointing elements of that, and the, the stuff that we needed to look at and uh, and pick apart. So yeah, let's not. Uh, we can't just brush a six-one under the carpet, as I think we said at the time. But Liverpool were playing some great football. They were to their top of the league at the time. When you get beaten by someone like that, I think you have to put your hands up sometimes. And say, yeah, we got absolutely diddled. We were never going to be able to live with them. Fair enough. Wish it wasn't six-one, but 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 there you go. But this afternoon we're playing against a Stoke side, which we, like I said, we should be able to deal with. Um, and I think we've capitulated in exactly the same way as we did at Liverpool, in as much as we haven't shown we're up for the fight. When things weren't going our way, whether it's the referee, whether... I mean, we, we give the ball away far too much. We, we dilly-dally on the ball far too much. Nordin Amrabat, I think, after a couple of good, good games, as, as was poor today. And it, it's just not good enough that in, in the whole, you know, and we... <laughs> The other thing was the other thing that people watching at home will have picked up on even more than in the ground. When Kabul came off, we had three or four minutes when it was obvious he was going to come come off. Where's the Where's the defender? It took but Walter just looked at the bench and thought, "Now we'll, we'll go with ten lads." Yeah, I think. We, yeah, we'll we'll do these with ten, right? Yeah, but Cabaselli, it's taken him three or four minutes to get on. We're playing without a centre back for for two or three minutes, which in the Premier League is an absolute joke. Uh, anything can happen, you know. As we've seen with the with the with the own goal. Games change on little moments, and those little moments take seconds, two seconds, three seconds. They can be a minute. And we're playing two or three minutes without a centre-back, solely down to our own sort of inability to get a sub ready and on. That seemed to to be right across the board, because I I did notice they they called, um, the coaches called Cabaselli up probably a good minute before he wandered up back to the bench. So, one, he's not reacted to it. There are other players down there warming up with him. They either didn't notice, or why, why, if they did, why didn't they get him to to go towards the bench if he wasn't coming back up straight away why weren't the coaches going down and grabbing him to get him ready so that he could get on when as Kabul was coming off it just seemed right across the board we just weren't organised and ready for it something we didn't have today which we have done in the, the previous two home wins against Hull and Leicester was a good start we were, both of those games we went at them from the first second and bombarded their goal and, and today it wasn't there from, from the minute one and it seems to me as if we, if we don't get that first five minutes and we get our the bit between our teeth early doors we go within ourselves and, and you know we almost it was almost like we were the away side at times Stoke controlled that game very early on yeah that very much seems to be you know that's that's the evidence all points to that if we don't get if we don't have that good start then we would then we struggle and it seems very difficult for them all of a sudden we've seen how what a talented group I think the reason I'm so angry is because I'm not angry I'm frustrated um, it's, uh, you know, I'm not cross. I'm not going to tell them off. Um, but um, we we did well against Leicester. We got that good start, and our good players played well. We had creative stuff from Capoue and, and Pereira and Norden Amrabat. While he didn't didn't create enough, we had the beating of Christian Fuchs all afternoon. It just went well. But it, it felt we needed that springboard. We needed that springboard, um, and we didn't get it today. And and look what happened. It was it was the polar opposite. It was. Uh, we did, we did create a couple of chances. I was trying to, trying to as the game wore on, I was trying to think, is this another game we haven't had a shot on target? But early on, we did actually carve a few out. Jan Matt got himself into a good, a good position and possibly should have done better. Comfortable for Lee Grant, though. Really. He didn't have a tough save. He didn't have a save to make that he wouldn't expect to make 999,000 times out of, uh, out of a million. He wasn't tested. So you know, it wasn't without um, 
it wasn't without some degree of optimism in the in the in the first period. And even when they scored, you think, well, it's, that's all right. We've got enough about us to we've got about enough about us to come back into this game. Stoke aren't posing a huge threat. Um, there's nothing to be frightened of. But it just it just petered out, and instead of instead of uh, instead of sort of redoubling our efforts, or instead of sort of improving, we just chose we took the easy route out. I think, and and and, and were indignant. And uh, I, I thought it was sloppy. I thought it was uh, they took the easy too many of them took the easy route out. I think also it, it, as their frustrations grew, it seemed to la- to lead to bad decision making as well. Yeah, a lot of bad decision. So you look at, particularly again. We talked about Amrabat already. Some of yeah, when he was in good positions to maybe cross the ball in, he wanted to take it on himself. But he never went round the outside. His big skill is getting round the outside, cutting the ball back or putting a ball in with his right foot. And he kept coming back in on his left, going sideways. I, I couldn't understand that. And I think after, yeah, having sort of not been able to do it the first two first two times and then getting booked, he seemed to have made his mind up that he wasn't going to be capable of doing, it in that, uh, of doing that today. And also Yamat as well on the same side, got into good positions, but would then sort of try and cut back onto his bad foot, and it and it became quite obvious. And and the Stoke defenders just yeah just knew what he was going to do and sort of beat him every time. And also we, we sort of given Amrabat a bit of stick. There's also one point where he's realised he's not going to go around the outside, so he's he's managed to back cut back inside, and he's coming across, and he needs he needs an option. And there's a massive gap out on the left hand side, and this is when Yanmat has moved to to left wing back. And I'm not getting at these two players in particular, but again you think. Jan Mata tucked inside. I think Pereira was inside. There was no width. Yeah. And and it's simple, simple game football. If you want to attack, you need to get the ball wide. If you can't go down one side, switch the ball across quickly. There was no option for there, there for him to do it. And you just, again, watching it from the stands is just so frustrating. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Well, let's try and uh, calm down, try and warm up a little bit as well, because we're absolutely freezing standing outside the uh, the Hornet shop here. Uh, we'll talk about maybe some of the individuals a bit more, look ahead to the West Brom game in a second. But first, let's hear from Mike Parkin's son, Arlo. This is Michael Parkin's son. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkin's son, Arlo. Arlo, how are you? Bad. Sorry to hear that. Well, we're going to press on regardless. Now, today's question, what do you think about players who argue with the referee? Okay. You think it's all right for players to have a go at the referee if they don't agree with their decision? Yes. All right. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Arlo. Yes, bye. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. I had the pleasure of meeting Michael Parkinson the other day, Mike, and uh, I was going to, before he came in, he, he came in to, to work to do an interview at TalkSport, and before he came in, I was, th- I was sitting there thinking, could I, could I ask him, could I try and explain to him the feature and get him to maybe record a little, a little bit? But then, as soon as I saw him, I just realised, I mean, how am I going to explain this to him? He's an 81-year-old man, he's, he's not going to be interested, is he? So, I didn't do it, but the thought was there, at least. Well, that's the most important thing, having the thought there. The thought... The thought was in the same room as the actual Michael Parkinson. I'm sure it, I'm sure it permeated him uh, into, his, uh, into his brain somehow. Right, let's, uh, let's have a look ahead then to the next game, which is away, a tricky away game at West Brom, who've got a draw against Hull yesterday, but on Monday night absolutely hammered Burnley in front of the Sky cameras. And 
there'll be a, a similar sort of opponent really to, to Stoke today, I think. It's Tony Pulis, the old Stoke manager, and it's going to be tough. And we, we're looking a bit depleted, aren't we? Well, we're just trying to work out who we're going to be missing. So we're definitely going to be missing Britos after his uh, second yellow card. Kabul, we don't know if he's going to be fit. Um, and Barami is going to be suspended um, as well. So one would imagine that Ben Watson would come would come in as a straight swap for that. So perhaps not quite as as uh, worried about the the midfield there. But defensively, I, th- I thought Burnley looked um, uncharacteristically unorganised against West Brom early on, and they absolutely tore them to bits. The game was was over within well half an hour. It was it, it was gone and. You can see that you can see it happening. Um, um, if, if we turn in a performance like that, because we, we've got it in us, we've absolutely got it in us. After we've seen today, we've seen to a, to a lesser degree at Liverpool and against against Burnley, we can we can look messy. We can look disorganised. We can look like we don't. You know, we can look like a, ba- a bad fit. And it's the Premier League. West Brom are on a decent run. Um, we really looked at it at the start of the season as, as maybe somewhere we can get points, but we're going to have to bounce back again. So it's a difficult one. You always think and you always hope that a, a bad performance like that and one where it has gone uh, pretty bad in <laughs> virtually in the round, if you like, they're going to be in the office on Monday hurting all of them. Um, every, every, it feels like the, the, the whole entire squad really has got amends to make, and Matsari included, after, after not shaking Hughes' hand. It's, a, it's just a bad... This one's left a bad taste in the mouth, so you'd like to think um, that they're going to going to get themselves organised there's going to be some double hard working during the week to, to make sure that we go up to the Hawthorns and don't don't do a Burnley really and it's quite a big game in terms of looking at the table because we are still in eighth position that could change later on if results uh, Bournemouth may actually get a result at Arsenal which is probably unlikely but we're eighth and West Brom are ninth only one point behind us in the table Stoke have now moved up to 10th only two points behind us after that win today so you know this is, this is these team, these games against teams that are around us we've got to be competing better haven't we Jason we have for the record Arsenal Bournemouth is currently one all <coughs> by the telly so we go so you never know what Bournemouth might be capable of um, but yeah it would be um, it would be good to get a result there I think I think I'd be happy with the draw having just seen that and talking about the players we're going to be missing um, but there is that that risk of getting sort of sucked back into that bottom half of the table where it is all really tight. We've seen how easy it was for, for Stoke to, today and they've not been ripping up trees. They've had a few good results, but they were below us, are still below us. Um, so we, yeah, we, we, we can't be complacent about this. Yes, we've had a good start to the season. Yes, we're in eighth place still, but it wouldn't take much for us to get sort of sucked back into the, uh, into the trouble. Have a look at Palace at the moment. Yeah. They are struggling. And they had a reasonable start of the season. They, were, they thought they'd solved their striker problems with Ben Teke. All of a sudden, yeah, they're, they're looking loose at the back now. So we've, we've got to be wary. We, we can't be complacent. We need to pick up the, the results where we can. And if that means going to go to West Brom, being solid, getting a point, then that's going to help us. Jace, what I haven't really had a chance to talk to you. We've been on different podcasts over the last couple of weeks, but in terms of players who I, I was been quite critical in uh, about about Etienne Capou and Pereira perhaps needing more from them, um, and I'm certainly going to add I think Amrabat to that to that list. I think it feels like the midfield is too. I think defensively we kind of know where we're where we're at, um, and are hopeful that well, whoever slots in is going to do a reasonable job I think Cabaselli did okay when he when he came on um, a bit slow in the challenge a couple of times but there was a great saving challenge against Ar- I think it was Arnautovic he, he, he blocked he blocked what would have been what would have been 2-0 
So I think defensively we're, we're kind of okay. Up front we kind of know where we're at in terms of when our success comes back, he, he's going to be... No goals though. There's, there's no goals from the strikers at the moment. Choi's still waiting for that 100th. Yeah. I wonder if that's playing on his mind. But I think... I don't think so. I don't think that's the way he plays his football. But, I, but we know where we're at. We know what our options are. They are what we've got. We've got Troy, we've got Igalo who... Came on and uh, he's, don't know. Don't really know what to make of him today. But we've got useless. <laughs> <laughs> we've got Isaac success and we've got the big fella. We've got Akaka. So we kind of know where we're at defensively in, and up front. It just seems to be that the midfield is such a curate's egg um, and could be can tick like an absolute Rolls Royce or can splutter like my Volkswagen Golf on a, on a cold morning. And I don't know how we fix it. I don't know. It seems that seems to me the key to our consistency is getting Kapu on song, getting Barami on song, getting Pereira to deliver something and getting Amrabat increasingly, he looked, he looked awful today because it, cause his, what, it always has been his downfall, has been his, from my point of view, his inability to, 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 to deliver a decent final ball. So the long, the short version of that question is, Jase, how do we fix our midfield and do you think they are misfiring as much as I do? I thought Barami was all right today. I thought Barami was doing what Barami was, does best. He was he was getting about the pitch, made some great challenges when it looked like they might break on us. But equally, when you've got a player playing like that in midfield, he needs someone to help him out. And when Kapu's not on his game, then it's going to give us a problem. Because if you've got, if you've got a player who is going to chase players down, close down quickly, that's going to create holes. And you need to make sure someone else is covering that. Last week, I thought they worked in tandem really well, Barami and Kapu, and I thought the change in formation contributed to that because they were both able to sort of close while the other one covered, and we weren't relying on Kapu to attack through the middle because of the, the, the two guys that were sort of behind Dini. Today, it seemed to go back again. Kapu, I thought, started okay and, and made a couple of decent challenges, but then again, after... and. and and just to sort of repeat the theme of what we've been talking about, along with the rest of the side, as he got frustrated, he seemed to be ambling a bit. And he got, there was one point where, I think second half, I'm not sure if he got the ball in his face or on his hand or something, and he was just sort of ambling about the pitch, sort of kept looking at his hand and just just looked almost sort of disinterested. And he just someone needs to sort of grab hold of him and give him a slap around the face, say, come on, mate, you're better than this, get on with it. If John were here, he'd be desperately trying to be positive, and we've been allowed to be really super negative, which I've enjoyed. I feel a lot better for it. Um, it's very cathartic talking about the pockets. I feel a lot better about the game already. We didn't do that badly, actually, did we? Um, from a positive point of view, if we were going to draw any positives, at least Matsari did try to change it, and he did bring Igalo on, who he has got the ability to, to, to turn a defence inside out, and he almost did a couple I know, of times. I know I just called him useless, and I've been on his back quite a bit this season, but... In his defence, the, the one good thing he did today, there was a cross in from from the uh, from the left hand side, and he, he got a really good flick onto yeah. it, and it and it landed plumb in the middle of the six yard box, and I'm just looking at Troy and thinking, I don't know whether he wasn't anticipating it, whether he thought well, he's probably not going to get this or what, but if he'd gambled, which is what strikers should do, a centre forward should be looking, thinking he's going to get that ball, he's got a six yard tapping. Yeah, it was the absolute textbook two striker move. One man flicks it on, the other guy arriving in the six yard box, sweep it home, one all. And yeah, Troy was just, because he's having to rat around so much and look for the ball and, and carve opportunities in other ways, he wasn't there. That's not an excuse. He's still a number nine. He still should know what this passage of pay is developing into and to get into a, a position where he's going to be dangerous, not where he thinks it's going to go. 
where, where he needs to be where if, if it does go there he's going to score that's the, that's his job um, and yeah I think that was um, that was a telling moment you know, I think you're absolutely right um, and yeah when Akaka came on I thought he was sort of um, he's big isn't he I think he's going to be I think he's a valuable asset on in one dimension but I think it's hard when he come on with not much time yeah. left to do anything really isn't it I, I think that he got the ball sort of very tight angle with a couple of yards out and a, a bit of a clearer head or a better finish might have might have done something there I wonder whether maybe giving him a start chuck him in from the start give him a game show what he can do up against West Brom some of their big centre backs he might give him something to think about I don't know I think it's, it's interesting is it is anyone thinking the question at what point do you give Troy a rest I'm not going to say drop him but do you give Troy a rest as we've discussed many times before he's more than just our number nine he's our captain he's our leader um, and we will be missing other things rather than just a, yeah, a straight swab of a striker when he doesn't play but if Akaka shows some, some good touches and, and comes on and does well then He's pushing for a start if Troy is, is, is struggling to, to get to goal number 100. I think we've shown today and in, in previous sort of more lacklustre performances that no one is undroppable and, and you have to count, count Troy in that number. And ordinarily, you wouldn't say being a captain figure is reason enough for him to keep a place. But you do question what would have happened today, for example, had Kapu been captain or... I don't know someone. Someone else. You, when you, there was very little glue holding that lot together today, as it was, and without him there, that could, that could have imploded pretty badly. So, yeah, I mean, he 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 would be the first to say he's not undroppable, and we'd we'd be daft to suggest that that he's that, that might not be looking for other options. And and who knows? And, and like I said, uh, Matsari will be looking for a reaction on Saturday, and it's just about how you get it. Um, and we're an enigma wrapped up in a conundrum, I think, at the moment. I th- I, I, it's frustrating. Last year, we knew what we were going to get, and we knew we, we were either going to nick it or we won't. This year, we feel capable of so much more. There seems to be so much more depth. There seems to be so much more talent. There's uh, freedom. Matsari's shown uh, sort of glimpses of, of uh, being able and, and willing to change tactics, change formation. To, to try and get something from games, we've ended up with three strikers on the pitch today, for example. Well, let's let's talk about Matsari then, because this isn't a criticism of him at all. Because th- as you've said, he's done a lot of good things so far this season, and we we are eighth in the table. Let's remember that we are eighth in the league coming up coming up to Christmas soon. But last year, uh, with Kike, he made an impact pretty early doors. He was a very affable, charming man. Slavisa, again, there was a good connection there with, with the fans. And I think because Walter doesn't speak English well enough in public yet, I know he tried to in the press conference the other day, he's trying to take baby steps with it, but I just don't feel like I know him. I don't feel I've got any connection. I almost forget we've got a manager sometimes because, I, you know, I, I want to hear from him. Why didn't he shake Hughes' hand? And, you know, you'll hear through the, the interpreter, but it, I won't get the sense of, I won't be able to hit, judge his tone of voice, his passion, how he's feeling ahead or, or after a game. And it's, just, it's a bit of an odd situation. It is strange, isn't it? And yes, you, you you do normally expect to hear your manager speak. You don't always hear from all the players, but the manager you normally would. There's no doubt in his passion. I think we can see that he is a passionate manager. We can see him by his sort of movements on the touchline, how yeah, how much his heart is in this. And you can sort of understand perhaps why he's not going all out there and, and doing all the post-match himself. We know what the press are like in this country. They're straight on top of you as a player, as a manager. And he's probably worried about getting misquoted if he doesn't quite get the English right. Um, but, yeah, it would be good to think that we will be able to hear from him soon. Just so that we can, yeah, 
you, normally you put yeah you like to put a a name to a face or a, a, a face to a voice we want to put the voice to the man yeah, I think uh, you're right. I hadn't really thought of that about that disconnect, and I have to be—I haven't felt it keenly. But I think after a game like today, that's when you do want to—you want to hunker down and you want to hear from your guys, don't you? You want to hear from your gang about well, you know what you're going to do. What, how do you feel about it? Do you feel as bad as we do? Um, I mean, we—I don't want to over egg it. We have—it has been a, a really um, a negative, um, a negative afternoon on the on the podcast, and I don't want to. Yeah, go overboard and sort of say that we need to. There needs to be massive things to be fixed, but. Yeah, it'd be nice to hear from him, wouldn't it? So what you know, we feel bad as we feel as bad as you. This is what we're going to do to fix it. And and all right, he's only going to tell us what what we expect to hear. But it was it would just be nice to hear it. That's how we are as football fans. Sometimes we're 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 pretty basic uh, primitive animals, aren't we? It's just nice to hear from from the head honcho a bit. I don't think we're far off. Um, I think he's he's obviously trying hard. He'll he'll be wanting to communicate to to the supporters. I think he he knows football so well that he knows it's important that 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 relationship builds and uh, it's something that he'll want to achieve um, but quite frankly if he can get them going on the pitch I'd, uh, he, can, he can speak double Dutch as far as I'm concerned well knowing our luck he'll be fluent by the end of the season then we'll, we'll get rid of him in double Dutch you mean <laughs> from the rookery end almost time for us to wrap it up Mike's coughing his guts up my hands are t- rapidly turning blue Pneumonia's going to set in soon, but before we, uh, before we finish this week, we've got a question from Jeff from Denver, who was on the pod last week, uh, and he wants to know, what does this Watford team in this, in this era, this Premier League era that we're in now, have to do to match or, or to emulate the achievements of the great side of the 80s under Taylor when we finished second in 1983? We, for me, it's quite simple. We need to do this over a prolonged period of time. We need to be established in the Premier League for longer than we were last time. Because um, in the grand scheme of things, it actually was quite a fleeting visit to the top flight. And it, 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 we look back upon it very fondly because of what was achieved. There was We finished second in the league, we got in the FA Cup final and we got into Europe. We were a very different Watford then. And we, we, were, we were relegated, you know, it was 10 years really, wasn't it, in the, in the top flight. I think we need to at least do that we need to stay in the top flight for and not get relegated but I think what what the what the supporters will want it's one or two things it's either getting to Europe but I think hand on heart if we if this if this era is going to be remembered as fondly or more fondly than that we need to win a cup and we showed last year that isn't beyond beyond our wit it isn't beyond our capabilities and that's what I'm sure I've raised that cup semi-final from my memory Mike completely yeah. well me too Liz my sister asked check if you're alright Dave after that of course um, but yeah it, we, I think we need to win a cup I think getting into Europe is different now to, to what it was then um, the, 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 the UEFA Cup we, we played in and that it's a very very different tournament being in the Europa League it doesn't quite have the I'm not don't get me wrong I, I, I think I'll be among 30,000 absolutely delighted Watford fans if we got into the Europa League but I think if we're going to when we're looking back in 50 years or, or the podcast whoever's doing the podcast in 20 years looks back on the the Pozzo era if they're going to get as misty-eyed as we do about GT and, 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 and Elton John's first first run at it we need to have something in the we need to have something in the um, trophy cabinet and not the uh, Copper Ibiza or the Great Wall of China I was there for that <laughs> I'd, yeah there's probably not much more I can add to that but I think you're absolutely right it would a cup is would be a nice sort of addition to the Watford Trophy cabinet. Um, of course, it is really, really hard to get into Europe 
now compared to what it was in, in 81, 80, oh sorry, 82, 83. Well, is it so though? You, you had to finish, you know, we finished second then. Yeah, we did. Now you yeah, can, now you can f- finish seventh, you know? Certainly not sort of undermining the achievement at all, but I think back then for a club like Watford to be able to infiltrate the European positions, um, I think it's a lot harder for a club like ours to do that now. And I think you have to become, as Mike said, an established Premier League side to do it. You look at Fulham did it um, and they'd been in the Premier League for a, a few years before they did that. Southampton are doing it. They've got, they've done it sort of pretty quickly after coming back into the Premier League. But they've got more history of being in a bigger club than, than Watford, certainly in recent times. Um, so I think it will be difficult. I think the other thing we'll need to do as well and that's on a similar thread as to how hard it is to get into European positions, how difficult it is to stay in the Premier League as well for a club like Watford. And there may come a point where we drop out. And hopefully that won't happen, not for a long time anyway. But you could see it could be likely in the, in the, in the next 10 years. Again, sort of looking at, at Fulham, at Wigan, clubs that got up there, then dropped and not been able to get back yet. What we want to be, if we do that, is to be, a, a, say, a West Brom, someone that doesn't spend too much longer down in the Championship and can get back up quickly and take their place in the Premier League once more and stay there for a good length of time and become an established Premier League club. Yeah, I think it's important to look at the the clubs we've looked at to emulate in the past and one of them has been, I think, Swansea. Um, We think they've done pretty well. They've had Europe, Europe, they've played in Europe and they've won a cup. Um, But now they... beat Bradford, though. Well, really count. But now they're struggling and it looks very, very difficult for them and it just... They've still got great players... um, They've still got good support, but it just happens like that. And so, like, like Jason says, we mustn't take our eye off the ball in terms of being established as a Premier League club. We're in a, sort of a, what, a third of the way through our second season as Watford, Mark, whatever this is. So they we're still very, very much at the infancy, and I'm very conscious of that's why my negativity is sort of held in check a lot of the time because we have to be aware of where we are in this journey. We're, when we're, if we're talking about looking back at, at this era... These are these games are absolute. They're minute in the in the grand scheme of things. They're so granular in in terms of what we're trying to achieve, which is why we must always take any any defeat with, you know, we, we can't we can't blow it out of proportion. We need to be decisive and say when things haven't gone well, which they haven't today. But also in the bigger picture, we're never going to remember Watford nil Stoke one if in in three four years we're still in the Premier League and and are still sort of eight seventh sixth those, those sort of positions. So. Very, very difficult um, task ahead. Um, very difficult to emulate that, the feel-good the fe- feeling that there was under GT because we just up, 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 up. And it never it, feel, it always feels like we didn't quite cap it off. We finished second to Liverpool, which is back then was as good as finishing first. That Liverpool was so good. We missed out in the FA Cup final. Um, and then Europe, we, you know, we had a couple of good games. So it was, it was, it was almost nice. We need something better, I think, this time. But let's not underestimate how, how difficult it's going to be. One thing's for sure, if we do get into Europe, it ain't going to be if we do a fair play league, <laughs> is it, after today's antics. Right, lads, shall we, uh, shall we get inside? Shall we warm up? Yeah, I think we're done. I'm done. I'm done. Stick a fork in me. It's over. You can, of course, get in touch on Twitter. Go to at Watford Podcast. Search from the Rookery End on Facebook. These guys will be back next week. Thanks again for, for having me along, guys. You're welcome, David. Next time you come. Make sure you bring three points with you, please. I'll do my best. Come on, you horns. Thank you.